Whew, mic'd up. <coughs> Monday Night Football, once in a while they have what they call their mic'd up, and they put a microphone on one of the players, and sometimes they have to bleep out some things, and you won't have to bleep out anything today, I promise. <coughs> Before I get started in my teaching this morning, um, kind of on a side note here, this is uh, National Sanctity of Life Sunday, and I, I, I forgot to mention it in Mike's announcements, but um, this is uh, the anniversary of the Roe versus Wade decision 30-some years ago, and, and uh, I just, I was thinking about that this morning, and, <clears throat> you know, 30 years of, of what's taken place and how many innocent lives were lost, and <clears throat> it's a tragedy, but um, there's a chance to turn things around, and, and um, Norma McCovey, who is the original Jane Roe, was going before the Supreme Court this week and trying to get that reversed, and I don't know what the outcome of that's going to be, but we can certainly pray that the judges uh, would make a wise decision there, and they would turn that around, and Has anyone uh, ever heard the phrase, it's not my fault? How about, it's not my job? I can't help it. In the cartoons, there's a, uh, one of my favorites is the family circle. I don't know if anybody takes the newspaper, but this has been in the paper for years. It's about a family, mom and dad and the children. And there's one that's my favorite. It shows the mom or the dad standing there and the little children gathered around. And in the middle, in the center, is a busted lamp or a broken picture. And they're all looking at this. And then running out the sides of the frame, on each side is some little ghostly characters. That One of them's labeled, not me. And the other one's labeled, I don't know. You know, we live in a society today that does tend to pass the buck. We like to point fingers. Um, here a few years ago, many of us may remember this, uh, a person went through a drive-up window at McDonald's, and they bought a cup of hot coffee. They burned themselves on that hot coffee, and they sued McDonald's, because the coffee was hot. They didn't have any responsibility in that whatsoever. You know, warnings and directions sometimes mean nothing. Think about the crime rate over the years it's increased. You know, sin's glorified. We see it in advertisements. We see it on the TV. We see it in the movies. If it's not glorified, it's covered up. It's whitewashed. We call it some sort of disease or a disorder. It's an easy way out. Think about this. Cain and Abel, remember their situation. If that happened today, Cain would probably get off because of some extreme mental anguish that he was suffering. Excuses, evasive behavior, pointing fingers, passing the buck, these are all ways that we have of avoiding our responsibilities, of not wanting to be accountable. 
And you know, there are many things in this world that we're not responsible for, we're not accountable for. But there are some that we are. We're going to look at a few of those things today. You know, it starts with you. It starts with me. We're responsible for our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own actions. It's not Satan. It's not our friends. It's not our neighbors. It's not our families. And especially not our circumstances. Whatever the situation is, it's our responsibility. Whatever we see, whatever we say, whatever we hear, whatever we do, it's a free choice that we make. God has given us this ability. He's given us this ability to make free choice. He's allowed us this freedom. We, we need to be accountable for that. We need to accept the responsibility that God's given us. <clears throat> you know, every day we're going to make decisions. We're going to make choices. And not everyone's moral. Whether I put sugar in my coffee, whether I wear the blue or the black socks, what route I take to work in the morning, those aren't moral decisions. They're decisions, but they're not moral. They don't have any bearing on what's going to transpire in that day. But we will have moral decisions every day. They're going to come. They're going to happen. And when they do, how are we going to handle it? We're going to make the right decision or we're going to make the wrong decision? Depending on our decision, are we going to accept the responsibility? Hi, Judy. You know, I've certainly, in my lifetime, as short as it's been, made my share of bad decisions, made some bad choices. But hey, Romans 3.23 says, For all sin fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says, There's none righteous. It's not my, it's not my fault. That's my way out. That's my exit strategy. I can't help it. It's not my job. I didn't know. Wrong. I do know. We do know. You know, I don't know. That's a real hard pill for us to swallow. Especially as Christians. Because we have no excuse. Ignorance is not bliss. An old saying, that bucket's not going to hold water. You know, we tell our children, if you don't know the answer to something, what should you do? Well, they could go and they could research and they could look and they could try to find the answer and that'd be great. They could do that. Or, they could ask. We can ask. We can pray. God's listening. In Luke 11, 9 and 10, we're all familiar with this passage. Jesus says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, again, it will be open. God's waiting. Now, He doesn't always give us what we want, but He always gives us what we need. And we need, again, to be responsible. We need to be accountable. 
And I was thinking about this, and there's some accounting terms, and I'm not an accountant. Joe could, could recognize these. FIFO and LIFO. First in, first out. Last in, first out. I don't really know what all that means. But I do know that there's another one that I thought about, and I didn't necessarily make this up, but that's JIJO. Junk in, junk out. You know, if we're going to put a steady diet of junk food in our bodies, Hostess cupcakes, candy bars, potato chips, soda, ice cream, all the things we like, if that's all we're going to eat, if that's all we're going to take in, it'll sustain us. We'll live. We'll survive. But after a while, you know what's going to happen? Our health is going to start to deteriorate because what we're putting into our body has very little, if any, nutritional value. If that's all we put in. That's not what we need. It's not what our body needs to stay healthy. Mark verse 7, or I'm sorry, chapter 7, verse 21 through 23 warns us of what can happen if we put the junk in, the junk out. It says, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a man. There isn't anything on that list that I think any one of us want to be a part of. Here, a few months back, maybe a year or so ago, I guess now, I did another study or another teaching on Christian behavior. And in Romans 12, 9, Paul writes that we are to, avo- or to <clears throat> excuse me, abhor what is evil. We're avoided. Stay away from it. Don't read that book. Don't listen to that music. Don't watch that movie. Don't get involved in that conversation. The less junk in, the less junk out. Our response, our goal, is Philippians 4.8. We know that passage too. Whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, any virtue, praiseworthy, that's what we meditate on. That's the good food. Here's a couple more. Gaigo and Taito. Good in, good out. Truth in, truth out. We're responsible for what goes in. No one else. It's up to us. <clears throat> if we follow those instructions, the Philippians 4.8, we can expect to experience the fruit, the good stuff. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the things that we want in our lives. That's the attributes we want. That's what we want our lives to be filled with. And it can be. But we've got to do the do. We've got to be the ones to do that, to get to that point. Galatians 6.5 says, For each one of us, shall bear his own load. Paul's referring to our our daily obligations and our daily responsibilities. And we should know what our responsibilities are. And our goal every day is to fulfill them. Every day. Not once in a while. Not every other day. Every day. Should be no excuses. 
<coughs> excuse me. You know, it's a blessing and a privilege to be a Christian. To be one of God's chosen. And we'll experience that even more when Christ returns. But until that day, we, as Christians, have responsibilities to God. James 4.7 says that we are to submit to God. God's in charge. He's in control. Not me. Not you. Not us. And That's hard for some of us to take because we like to be in charge and we want to be in control. We want to call the shots. I think about <clears throat> Chris uh, being in the Marines now and his rank is a Lance Corporal, which is not at the bottom of the pecking order, but it's pretty close. <laughs> There's only a first-class private and a regular private below him. So basically, he has to submit to everyone that's in authority that's ranked higher than he is. He doesn't have any choice. He has to. He's required to follow his superiors. No questions asked. Kevin knows what that's like. That's how he was trained. That's what he does. You know, we need to submit to God. It's our responsibility. We need to submit to His Word. His Word, the Bible. We need to study. We need to memorize. We also need to allow Him to work in our lives. I remember Mike talking once, <clears throat> once about being willing to be inconvenienced. Sometimes it is an inconvenience. But we need to be willing. We need to allow God in our lives. We can shut the door and keep Him out. But if we want the benefits, then we have to let Him work in our lives. James 4.8 says that we're to draw near to God and He will draw near to you. That's another responsibility that we have. We should pursue an intimate relationship with God. We need to be proactive. We need to go after it. And I admit, I tend to be more reactive. It's just in my nature, right, wrong, or otherwise. And that's not always served me well. But I understand what God's requiring of me here. He's waiting for each one of us to seek Him out. He's waiting right there. Our responsibility to do that. Think about a story I heard a few years back. It's about a young couple who were married and they were excited, they were in love and they used to ride around in an old pickup and they sat real close to each other. I mean, they were one and it, they were happy. And as the years went by, the gap, the space in between them started to widen. And then one day the wife realized that she was leaning on the door on the other side and she started thinking about it and she mentioned to her husband, you know, what happened? 
what happened to our relationship? We used to be so close. We used to be so intimate and so together. And I just, I don't get it. I'm clear over here, and you're clear over there. And he says, who moved? He's still behind the wheel. That's not to say that's her fault. God's behind the wheel. He's still there. He's still right where He said He was going to be. He hasn't moved. What did it say? Knock, and the door shall be opened. Seek, and ye shall find. He's waiting. It's our responsibility. And it's true that our responsibilities are first and foremost to God. But we have responsibilities to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Our church family. God tells us we're, excuse me, we're to love one another. It's a brotherly love. It's a family love. We're to encourage and teach one another. Romans 12:10 says that we should give preference to one another. We should put each other first. But there also may come times when we need to admonish each other, or we need to correct whenever that's needed. We also need to have fellowship and be hospitable. We need to open our doors, open our hearts to each other. Galatians 6.2 says we should bear one another's burdens. We should be willing to make sacrifices, whether that's time, our finances. We need to give to each other. I remember when we moved back to Topeka from Overbrook. <coughs> Excuse me. And you know, moving, no one likes to move. It's a lot of work. It's not a lot of fun. It, it's a lot of work. And we mentioned that there was a specific night that you know we were going to be moving a lot of stuff back, and if anyone wanted to help, that would be great. And we were just overwhelmed. I mean, it was almost like the whole church was there. Everybody, vans, trucks, cars. And we, we didn't even have to rent a truck to come back. I mean, it was just, it was fantastic. That's what I'm talking about. That's, that's the kind of brotherly love we share. And even, even before that, I needed to paint the house. And I, I mentioned that. And the Saturday I started... Here's five or six or seven of my brothers out there with paintbrushes slapping paint on my house. And again, I was... overwhelmed at the love. You know, it is our responsibility to see that these relationships continue to flourish with our brothers and sisters. Don't sit back. Don't wait. Let's take the first step. My responsibility. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, guys, as a husband and a father, we have responsibilities to our families. 
like a shepherd over his flock. The Bible mentions that many times about shepherds and their flocks. It's our job, the husband's job, to provide and protect our families. Food, clothes, a roof over their heads, their physical needs. Those are important. But you know, that's the easy part. Having a job, going to work every day, making the money, that's the easy part. What about their spiritual needs? In John chapter 21, the story of when Jesus, after He's been resurrected, some of the disciples are out fishing. And He appears on the shore. And He sees that they're not having any luck. They haven't caught anything. He yells out to them to cast their net on the right side of the boat. Haul it in. Come and eat. Where's He going with this? Where am I going with this? Right here, verse 15. When he gets to shore, Jesus talks to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I do. He asks him three times. Twice, Jesus responds, feed my sheep. And once, he responds, feed my lambs. Peter, if you love me, then you need to take care of my flock. That's the spiritual food that Jesus was talking about. Peter's responsibility to preach and to teach and to to continue that, to nurture the flock. Guys, if we love Christ, we need to feed his flock. We need to feed our flock. Our flock is our families, our wives, and our children. It's our responsibilities. God's entrusted these to us, our wives and our children. He's holding us, me, you, accountable for spiritually feeding them. He's created us to be men to do that. Let's, let's do that. Let's, let's be the, God, the men that God created us to be. And let's feed our flocks. Let's keep them well fed. We can do it. You know, as I think about that, we think, okay, responsibilities. So what happens? I got all these responsibilities. What happens if I don't want the responsibilities? What can I expect? Well, in Jeremiah 32:19, he writes, "You are great in counsel and mighty in work, for your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men, to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings." You know, God wants to bless us. He tells us right here that he does. But it's our responsibility, again, to do what's necessary to earn those blessings. We can't hide from God, and we shouldn't even try. Think about Jonah. Jonah was given a command. God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh, 
and tell them to give up their evil ways. Tell them to repent. And Jonah didn't want to go, so what did he do? He went the other direction. He ran. He wasn't accepting the responsibility that God gave him. God wasn't happy with him. <clears throat> he wasn't happy at all. And we know the rest of the story. We know how that story goes. The whale. About Adam and Eve. God tells them not to eat the fruit of the one tree, the one and only tree, or they would surely die. The serpent comes along, and he convinces Eve that that's not really what's going to happen. Can't. That's really not what God said. You know, it was Eve's responsibility right then and there to, like the Romans 12 verse, abhor evil, to do what she knew was right. But instead, she chose to believe the serpent. So she took the fruit and she ate it. And then, she gave some to Adam. And he ate it. Genesis 3.6. Then in 3.7 it says their eyes were opened. And they realized what they had done. And what did they do? They tried to hide. God won't find us. He did. And when he confronted them, and he asked them if they'd eaten from the tree, this is good, Adam says, the woman who you gave to me she gave me the fruit, and then I ate it. Wow. Talk about passing the buck. Adam not only put the blame on Eve, he didn't want to take any of the responsibility. It's not my fault. Because you gave me the woman. She gave me the fruit. This woman is you gave to be with me. So God asked Eve, what is it that you've done? And she replies, well, the serpent, he deceived me. That's true, the serpent did. I'm sure he was very convincing when he did. But again, it was her responsibility to trust and obey God. And once again, we know how the story ends. Sin came into the world, pain, suffering, and life would be difficult at times from then on. But we can't use that as an excuse. It may be harder to do what's right under certain circumstances, but it's not impossible. 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us and reminds us that God never allows us to be tempted beyond that which we can handle. No excuse. When I think about this again, I think about the story of Joseph the one of the coat of many colors. And there's a great example in this story. We, we talked about this just the other day in our devotions at, at breakfast. You know, Joseph was his father's favorite. He was the youngest, and it says in the text that he was Jacob's favorite because he was born to him in his old age. And Jacob never tried to hide his favoritism. And because of that, it angered his older brothers, which, you know, if you were in their position, it probably would have angered us too. And Genesis 37.4 says that they hated him 
and could not even speak peaceably to him. They couldn't even say anything nice to him because they despised him so much. And then Joseph begins to have these dreams. And these dreams seem to indicate that someday he's going to be in charge. He's going to be over the whole family and they're going to bow down to him. And boy, they really don't like that. That really upsets them. So they plan to kill him. They're going to throw him in a pit. And they're going to say he was killed by a wild beast. Ah, Reuben comes to his rescue. And Reuben steps in and says that they shouldn't kill him. Let's just toss him in the pit and, and maybe we can think about it for a while. And then see what happens. And his plan was to come back later and get him out. But in the meantime, again, here comes some Ishmaelites. And they say, hey, I got an idea. Judah, I got this great idea. Instead of killing him, let's, let's sell him to these Ishmaelites. And then whatever happens to him, we won't be responsible for it. So they do. They sell him for 20 shekels. The problem solved. Joseph's gone, and they made a profit. You know, and Joseph could have been very bitter about this. Very bitter. He was taken to Egypt, sold as a slave to Potiphar. But in Genesis 39.2, it says the Lord was with Joseph and he was successful. You know, think of what happened to him. What a rotten deal. Brothers planned to kill him and then sell him into slavery. But Joseph accepted his situation. He accepted the responsibilities. And because he did, he prospered. And later on in the story, when Joseph is confronted with, by Potiphar's wife, he could have easily have given in to her as well. And again, we would probably say, well, you know, poor guy, he's been under a lot of pressure. And she was probably a very beautiful woman, and, well, you know, things happen. But he didn't give in. He was responsible. Again, 1 Corinthians 10.13. The temptation he had, God allowed him, but he also gave him the strength to handle it and to avoid it. So he doesn't give in, right? That's a good thing. So what happens to him when he doesn't give in? He ends up in prison. But he still trusts in God. He doesn't blame his situation on anyone else. My responsibility. Genesis 39.21 says, The Lord was with Joseph again and showed him mercy and gave him favor with the keeper of the prison. And we know that eventually, through his interpretation of Pharaoh's dream, Joseph is let out of prison. He's given free. Not only is he just let out and he's given freedom, he's elevated to the number two man in all of Egypt. The only person more important in Egypt than Joseph is Pharaoh. Second in command. He's Pharaoh's right-hand man. From a pit to a throne from the bottom to the top because Joseph was responsible and he accepted his responsibilities. And you know, probably in our own lives we'll never experience anything quite of that magnitude. 
But there are going to be things, circumstances that that we may not be expecting that may take us by surprise. But regardless of whatever those circumstances may be, they are never, ever a justification for violating God's laws. No excuses. Well, you know, this responsibility stuff sounds like a lot of work. It's a big hassle. I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to tell God, I don't want any more. I don't want any responsibilities. Just take them all away. If I don't have them, my life's going to be much easier. He can do that. No problem. What would I have left? No wife. No family. No home, no job, no friends, no church, no vehicles, no whatever. Fill in the blanks. Nothing. Why? Because I'm responsible for all of those things. We're responsible for those things, you and I. Am I really responsible for all that? Yes, I am. Am I really going to be held accountable for all that? Yes, I am. Can I handle all that, Lord? Yes, you can. We can. We're not in it alone. Remember Matthew 19.26. With God, all things are possible. I can handle it. It's my responsibility. But with God's love, His grace, and His mercy, not alone, not all by myself, One final verse, and again, this is not an exhaustive study by any means. There's so much in the Bible about responsibility. We could talk for hours. But this one hits home. Second Corinthians 5.10 For me, <clears throat> excuse me, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. That's the point of no return, folks. And we don't know when that day is going to be. Could be tomorrow. Could be next year. Fifty years from now. It doesn't matter when it is. It matters what we do with the time we have left, with the days we have. Those are our responsibilities. I want to read something here that I acquired off the Internet, and it's, it's through the Apostolic Church, and it's through an organization called the Simon Peter Ministries. I don't know if anyone's ever seen anything on the net about that, but I thought this was appropriate. And it's titled Responsibilities. You know, it's funny how we constantly hear 
about people claiming their rights. But when was the last time you met or heard of someone claiming their responsibilities? I've only ever met a few, and they were in the church. This seems not to be a popular activity of the world. I propose to you that claiming one's rights would be unnecessary if everyone shouldered their responsibilities and lived by the golden rule of doing to others what you would have them do to you. Consider in the world the Constitution of the United States. It speaks of three rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the first two elements mean that I have the right to not be killed and to not be put into slavery. But the third element, that pursuit of happiness, only gives me the right to pursue that. I have no sacred right to happiness itself, only to pursue it. However, I only have these three rights if others take responsibility for their actions and do not kill me and do not press me into a life of slavery and do not quash my pursuit of personal happiness. Consider the life of a Christian taught by the Holy Bible. The Lord places expectations on us. These come in the form of the Ten Commandments, the Old Testament moral law, and the epistles of the New Testament. It's covered all the bases. These expectations are our responsibilities. As a Christian, we have no rights as the world would consider such things. Rather, we have better than rights. We have the promises and blessings of God. A Christian right would be something that God had to give you if you ask for it. But instead, His promises and blessings we have. Most important of those being salvation itself. These promises and blessings are things that God delights in giving to those who seek Him. I cannot speak for any other, but as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord through seeking to meet our responsibilities in Christ. I will willingly forsake the rights of the world and wait upon the Lord, accepting whatsoever blessings He should choose to place upon me. For the blessings of the Lord are far greater than any rights that this world can ever claim. In closing, let's Let's accept our responsibilities. Again, we don't know what those are always going to be, but we do know, for the most part, what the basic responsibilities are in our lives. And we need to accept the consequences for those responsibilities. We need to accept the consequences for the decisions that we make, not try to hide, not try to run. We can't. God will find us. Let's pray. Lord, it's true that our lives sometimes are difficult and that we are placed into circumstances that if we had our choice, we wouldn't be in. But God, we remember 1 Corinthians 13 and that the temptation is not beyond what we can handle. And that you have given us the ability to deal with situations. 
And then it is truly our responsibility for what transpires. Lord, help us in our jobs. Help us in our relationships with our brothers and sisters. Help us in our responsibilities to our families, to our wives and our children. Father, most importantly, remind us again and again of our responsibilities to you. That we should submit to you. And that we should seek you out. And that we should insist on our relationship with you being fervent and viable and Lord you're waiting right there for us it's up to us we thank you we praise you and we love you in Jesus name Amen